The Holy Spirit inspired every word of the Bible, including the introductory books of instruction, Torah, on how to live in close relationship with the covenant God. However, as a consequence of the first rebellion in Genesis 3, people are not able in their own strength to live according to God's instruction. In every book from Genesis to Chronicles tells of one tragic failure of God's people after another for some four millennia. Now, the major prophet Ezekiel could be called the prophet of the Holy Spirit. Now, this, I admit, is one of the more difficult books for me to understand. But toward the end of his account of his call to be a watchman, Over Israel, Ezekiel says the Spirit of God lifted him and brought him to the exiles in Babylon. And then sometime later, Adonai Yahweh told Ezekiel that he would gather these exiles and he would give them the land of Israel again. And he would give them a new heart to keep the Torah, and put a new spirit in them. Now, this somewhat cryptic message is later expanded and clarified, and I'm going to read it from the King James translation. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes And ye shall keep my commandments and do them. Ezekiel 36, 27. I think that's worth memorizing the address and going to it often. So in the ninth century, after giving his people the Torah of life, that they were powerless to obey, the covenant God said that he would put his spirit in his people, and they would be able to fulfill his purpose for them. And Pentecost Sunday, which was the heart of what we've heard this morning, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, is the fulfillment of this specific word that Adonai Yahweh gave to the prophet Ezekiel. Now, our three passages this morning tell of, first, Jesus' words at his last Passover that the spirit of truth will be in all his disciples. And then we have the description of the amazing filling of 120 disciples with the spirit. And then we hear, we heard how the Holy Spirit aided the early churches in prayer and gave them his fruit of peace. So let's now look at these passages. I've broken this into two halves. Uh, First, we hear that uh, Jesus himself told 
that his father would give his disciples the spirit of truth. And when they were filled with the spirit, they proclaimed the wonders of the gospel in 15 languages. First, we'll look at the John passage where Jesus says the spirit of truth will be in you all. So, quoting from John, Jesus is saying, I will request of the Father and another helper. He will give to you all and that with you all to eternity he may be being. Now, the Greek word parakletos basically means one who is called alongside someone to help that person. In other words, he's an advocate. Maybe you could say a defense attorney. Um, But you could also translate this word defender, counselor, intercessor, or comforter, as some of the modern translations to do. And God is truth, the three-in-one God. So therefore, of course, his spirit is also truth. John continues, though, with um, the negative, then the positive. Whom the world not is being able to receive, because not it is seeing him, neither it is knowing him. And again, John chapter 3 is very important, because we hear the very words of Jesus. Any not born from above they are still in evil being. They're existing under the power of evil. And John said that also in his epistle. But here's the good news, which concludes our John passage. Jesus says, you all are knowing him because with you all he is dwelling. And here it is. And in you all he will be. There's a difference between someone being with us and in us. And I believe this is the greatest word of promise that God ever gave to his church, his church in Jesus. And it's also in the creed, we said. Well, now let's jump up to Acts chapter 2. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit to speak wonderful salvation in 15 dialects. So now Luke, this great author and historian and man of God, says, to have come the day of Pentecost, they were being all together in common at the same place, and noise came suddenly from heaven as being born of mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were were being sitting. So this happened over a span of time. Now, the Feast of Pentecost, or weeks, was 50 days after the Feast of Firstfruits. And it's very interesting, Jesus was resurrected on that day, the firstfruits of those raised from the dead. Luke continues, there appeared to them tongues being divided as fire, and it sat on each one of them, and they all had been filled, spirit of holiness. They began to speak 
with other tongues, just as the Spirit was giving to them to speak loud. There's three things here I want us to pay attention to. In this vision, and I believe it was real, even though it was a vision, tongues divided as fire and sat on each one of the 120 disciples. And by the way, just let me add here, as it's described in Acts 1, there was Jesus' mother and other women with them too. And then the filling of the spirit is described. He's described as the spirit of holiness. And here's another verse that you should keep in your heart and mind and look up whenever you want. Leviticus 11:44 is a command. You all must be holy as God is holy. And again, it's the spirit that enables this. And then the spirit enabled them to speak in languages other than Hebrew Aramaic. They spoke loud and they were actively participating in what the spirit gave them to proclaim. That's the sense of the verb. Then Luke tells us, but there were being in Jerusalem dwelling Jews, reverent men, from every nation under heaven. Now, Pentecost was one of the three annual feasts that every Israelite male from every nation, no matter where he was living, was required to attend. It's a few places, but Deuteronomy 16.16 is the clearest. Then Luke says, but having been this sound... The multitude came together and was being confused because each one was hearing in his own dialect of them being speaking. So now there's confusion. These diaspora or scattered Jews who mostly spoke uh, Greek or other native tongues from where they were living... They were confused that disciples only from Israel who didn't know their languages were speaking in dialects of many nations. We'll soon find out how many. They were being amazed and were marveling, saying, Behold, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how are we hearing all in our dialect in which we were born. We all have native tongues. And right now, there is between five and 7,000 in the world today. Okay? They are all amazed that Galileans, and they were just considered ignorant backwater people. How could they be speaking different languages, even down to specific dialects? I was thinking of the joke this morning that... Americans and Brits are two people separated by a common language. We don't speak the same English, but this is what's happening here, an incredible detailed miracle. And then Luke now names them Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia between the two rivers. There's four, and they're all far east countries. Uh, You can get out a good map in the back of your Bible. They went as far north as the Caspian Sea and as far east as the Persian Gulf. 
continuing on, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, all in present-day Turkey, which takes up a lot of land. Egypt, Libya, Kyrene, these are all across northern Africa, all the way out to Gibraltar in the far west. And then we're told uh, sojourners in Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire, Cretans and Arabians, we are hearing them speaking in our tongues or languages, the wonderful works of God. So they weren't just talking about anything. So there are 15 nations or ethnic groups. In fact, the Greek word is ethne, stolen right into English as ethnic. Each one had its own distinct language. And here is the bottom line and the amazing end to this first half. Amazingly, the Holy Spirit is giving Jesus' disciples gospel good news words about the wonderful works of salvation just 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven. And nothing has changed in almost 2,000 years, people. We must take this to heart, and we must pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the mighty acts of God in salvation, in Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables Jesus' followers to communicate the gospel of salvation. That's the main reason we're giving the Holy Spirit, not only to be made close to God, but to bring others into the same relationship. And now the second half of Acts with the little appendix from Philippians. Peter declares Joel's prophecy of the Spirit is now fulfilled. So people may be saved. And then joyful and gentle prayers result in God's peace. And I know this is the favorite paragraph of many people in the epistles. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, the summary is all visitors are amazed and Peter stands with support. He declares Joel's prophecy of God pouring out his spirit is fulfilled. And whoever may call on his name will be saved. So again, Luke is very detailed and very accurate, and let's pay attention. All were being amazed and being confused, one to another saying, what meaning is this to be? But others, mocking, were saying, having been filled with new wine, they are being. So the miracle of speaking that the Holy Spirit gave to Jesus' disciples caused the minds of all the visitors to Jerusalem to just be blown. And Jesus had also said 52 days earlier, the world, the world is not able to understand the miraculous works of God. So their coping mechanism Their coping mechanism is to mock that which they do not understand. Nothing's changed throughout history. 
And now here's something that I learned in my first preaching class as we had to study this chapter about Peter's sermon that blew my mind. But having stood Peter with the leaven, he lifted up his voice and he said to the men, Judeans all dwelling in Jerusalem, this to you all known must be being. And you all must pay close attention to my specific words. And here's something we should all take to heart. No one can make it on his own. Peter had never spoken publicly before, but notice he stands with a semicircle of 11 apostles behind him. They all have his back. 11 spirit-filled men. God's plan is that each member of his church always be supported by others in his church. And we must all support each other in proclaiming the Savior Messiah. We really just can't do it on our own. We need help. We need prayer warriors. We need everything. And then with three emphatic exclamations, Peter grabs the attention of 40,000 Jewish pilgrims. I couldn't believe that when I looked it up when I was preaching through Acts. This little city of Jerusalem that maybe had 20,000 full-time residents got 40,000 more residents at these three feasts. So Luke continues, and this is what Peter said with all this support. For not as you all are supposing these being drunk. For it is being the third hour of the day. But this is being what had been spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, I didn't put it in the outline, but it's in the footnotes. Joel 2, 28 to 32. So Peter says, these people are not drunk on wine. It's only 9 a.m. people, the third hour after sunrise. Romans started their days at sunrise, Jews at sunset. It's 9 a.m. And he says, what you all are seeing is fulfilling a very specific word that God gave to Joel. And here it is. And this is what Joel said. And it will be in the last days. We now know that's the church age from Jesus' ascension to return. God is saying, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and they will prophesy the sons of you all and the daughters of you all and the young men of you all visions they will see and the old men of you all dreams they will have Dreamed. Here is the promise of the Holy Spirit. God spoke through Joel seven centuries earlier that he will pour out his spirit on all his children and they will speak his words. And God's people of all ages will be shown in visions or dreams what is to come. And then continuing this quote from Joel in Greek. Indeed, on my male servants 
and female servants. In those days, I will pour out from my spirit and they will prophesy. So what's going on here? Well, Peter's telling them exactly what's happening. It's from Joel. He's saying this Holy Spirit inspired speaking for God that was spoken of through Joel is exactly what is happening. They are speaking gospel good news about Jesus the Savior. And again, this isn't just ancient history. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the mighty acts of salvation by God in Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables Jesus' followers to communicate the gospel of salvation. Peter continues, and I will give wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before to come the day of the Lord, great and glorious. So, That's the second coming of Jesus. We're still not there yet. This is all that will happen before the great and glorious day of the Lord, Jesus' second coming. Now, the day of the Lord, and I had to put it on the back of your bulletin inserts. There's 16 references here. The day of the Lord, and I summed it all up in these words. Mostly, it's about Judgment. The key words are darkness, dreadful, destruction, decision, doom, retribution slash reward, silent sacrifice, bitterness. And then again, Ezekiel, who had so much positive to say in chapter 13, verse 5, God's people will stand firm in battle. And all of this is fulfilled in the last four chapters of the Bible. Revelation 18, 21, which we're waiting for. And then we close Peter's sermon at this point, finishing up what Joel said. And it will be all whoever may call. Now notice this is contingent. It doesn't promise that everybody will, but all whoever may call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter concludes with the offer of salvation given through Joel, now fulfilled by the work of Jesus. The gospel says that anyone who may call on Jesus' name, Yeshua means Savior, in humble obedient or faith, humble obedient faith, that one will be saved. That's an ironclad promise. Call, be saved. And Paul wrote to the churches in Rome before he quoted Isaiah. How then can they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, it's all because of the Holy Spirit. And this portion of Acts tells us the Holy Spirit enables Jesus' followers to communicate 
the gospel of salvation. And now let's go to this wonderfully encouraging paragraph at the end of Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi. The church must rejoice in the Lord and make gentleness known to all. So prayers with thanksgiving will result in God's peace. This is one of my favorite benefits that we get in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Billy Joel wrote a song, Angry Young Man. That was me until I was 26. You all must be rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I am saying you all must be rejoicing. The repeated command says rejoicing before God can only be done by those in the Lord. People true rejoicing never comes from circumstances and never ever comes from within ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. Paul continues, the gentleness of you all must be made known to all men. The Lord is near. So gentleness, that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit baptizes people into the body of Christ. I've put it on the back of your bulletins this morning, the passage. The Holy Spirit in Jesus' followers enables others to feel Jesus' nearness and gentleness. We must model this to them that they will desire it and then they will come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is enabling Jesus' followers to communicate the gospel of salvation. And then again, this whole paragraph is worth memorizing. Paul continues, nothing you all must be being anxious about, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, the request of you all must be made known to God. Here's an encouragement to pour out our hearts to God, because all people will experience trouble that could lead to anxiety. But the remedy is to petition God while also thanking him, telling him everything that we feel that we need. He understands. And Paul says, these things being done, the peace of God, the passing all understanding will guard or keep your hearts of you all and the minds of you all where in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, God's surpassing peace is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit who will guard and keep all who are in King Jesus by humble, obedient faith. And here's my prayer, starting with me. May we all receive gentleness from the Holy Spirit so others may be guarded by God's all-surpassing peace. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, among other things, is indeed peace. So let's wrap it up. At his last Passover, Jesus tells his disciples that the spirit of truth will be in them. And on the day of Pentecost, 
after Jesus ascended to his father, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And they proclaim the wonder of salvation in 15 languages. And then Peter rose with support and declared the prophet Joel's words fulfilled that whoever may call on Jesus will be saved. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit of joy and gentleness that comes about in prayers and thanksgiving, it results in hearts guarded by the peace of God. The Holy Spirit enables Jesus' followers to communicate the gospel of salvation. We need God's Holy Spirit.